Well, folks, I would like to just spend a few moments to talk about this uh, passage in Acts, in Acts chapter 1, verse 14. I was actually thinking about the uh, this united prayer meeting. It's been on my mind because it's easy for us to drift, and I've, I've been trying to come back to this this idea, this this what we are about. And the book that we have here that we put out is called The Case for United Prayer. And there's a reason why we called it that. Obviously, it's based on the burden that Jonathan Edwards had 150 plus years ago to gather God's people together across denominational lines to pray together for certain things, for the revival of his church and for the advancement of his kingdom. And we have taken up that baton, as it were, and tried to issue the same call in our day to unite our hearts together in prayer. And so I just wanted to dwell a little bit on the the, the idea of why united? What is the big deal, the big idea with united prayer? as opposed to our private prayers, which are important as well. But I was just thinking about Acts chapter 1, verse 14. Many of us have already dealt with this, so I'll, I'll be somewhat brief here. Uh, these all continued. Who all continued? The previous verse tells us. The apostles. It lists them all. These all continued with one accord, there's your united, in prayer, and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. That's the verse that I wanted to focus on and wanted to just ask the question, why united? What's the big idea with united? Well, when it talks about one accord, it has the idea there that word is actually used also in Romans 15 verse 6 where it says that ye with one mind and one mouth might glorify God. There is something that unites us in prayer and it's also a uniting of a variety of individuals. We see that because as I noted it was the apostles but it's not just the leadership see. It's not just the apostles. It's also with the women. And thank God, I have to say this from the bottom of my heart, thank God for the praying woman on this prayer call. I mean that with all of my heart. I think every man here will agree that that we have some uh, wonderful prayer warriors in our midst, uh, the women. And usually, uh, if I had to think through uh, it, they are undergoing a lot of uh, trials of their own, as do the men, but the women, uh, certainly in a home context, there's a lot of trials there, and there's a lot of burdens that they carry. And often, the only place that they can take those burdens is to the Lord. And so their prayer lives are rather exercised. And so, thank God for the praying woman on this call. I mean that with all of my heart. But here it notes that the women were there praying and with the brethren. 
So it wasn't just the leadership, as I like to say. It's with everybody, the brethren, and even Mary, you know, the one that you would think, humanly speaking, should be in an exalted position, but she takes her place right there beside everyone else in the place of prayer. And that's what prayer is a, is a, um, has an effect of leveling the playing field, if I can put it that way. Even in the New York City case, if you read the account of the prayer revival then, it was noted that ministers and lay people alike would be seated in the pews and they were all just pretty much the same coming to God in prayer. And that's, that's the way it is with us. We have not many mighty among us, but if there were, I mean, we've had a couple of uh, people, we've had some notable uh, preachers that have come in as a guest to speak for us. But you know what? We all, when we, when we start to pray, we all just take our place side by side and we're all equal. We're all praying and we all have the same right to pray to God. And that's the beauty of, in my mind, of praying together, is that all of those distinctions, all of those classes go away, and we're all united in that sense. But we also have this one purpose. You know, sometimes prayer, unfortunately, can be used to um, push an agenda. You know, you're praying to God, but you're actually uh, using it as a platform to push an agenda or something. Um, may not be the case here, but sometimes that, that can happen out there. And that's unfortunate, but we're praying for one thing. If I had to sum it all up, it would be the glory of God. We are praying for the glory of God, but specifically, as I mentioned before, we are praying for the revival of His church and for the advancement of His kingdom. And it's helpful in this context in Acts chapter 1, verse 14, what they were doing is in response to what happened in Luke 24, where Christ himself told them to tarry in the city of Jerusalem and wait there in prayer for what? Until ye are endued with power from on high. And so I have no doubt that in response to that last, those last words of Christ, they were tarrying here in Jerusalem in obedience, in prayer, waiting for the promised Holy Spirit. And that is what we are doing as well. We are continuing in that, in that uh, obedience to Christ. We are waiting on the Lord. We're not waiting passively, but we are waiting in prayer. We're waiting to be endued with power. We all know and understand that we can run around like chickens with our heads cut off and do all sorts of things in the name of doing it for the kingdom, but do it all in the power of the flesh. How sad that is when we do all that only at the end of the day to have nothing but wood, hay, and stubble. But if we have the power of God, the Holy Spirit, oh, what, what we can accomplish if we have the power of God, the Holy Spirit, like these poor disciples, these few in number, but they turn the world upside down because they were endued with power from on high. And real quickly, I'll just run through these thoughts that there's a promise of an answer in united prayer. Okay, there is a promise of an answer. Matthew 18, 21. If two of you shall agree on earth, they shall ask, it shall be done. 
for them of my Father which is in heaven. There's a promise of an answer. There's also promise of strength. And Romans chapter 15 verse 1 says, We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. There's something that happens in the place of prayer when we are praying for one another. We're not isolated individuals. We are praying with one another and there is a strength there. And we all know of the case of the Roman army and how they would lock their shields together when they would would march around in battle and that would provide a unified strength much stronger than if they were on their own. I looked it up. It's called the Testudo Formation. It's quite interesting, the Testudo Formation. And it was one of the, the arts of war of the Romans they had back then that we still use today. Um, and they would, like I say, lock their shields together. So if there was one weak person in, in the group, they would be held up on either side by the stronger on either side. And and that's the way we feel. We On our own, we're weak. But when we pray together, there is strength. And there's also the promise of a witness in John 17, it says that, that Christ prays that we might be one as the Father is one with Him. So that why? That the world may believe that Thou hast sent me. You see, a united people of God, certainly in prayer, united people of God is one of the strongest witnesses that we have to an unbelieving world that we are the Lord's. Lastly, this is the promise of blessing. Psalm 133, How good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. It's on a unified people where God commands the blessing. When we're all divided, when we're all fighting, when we're all envying uh, with one another, and there's, there's this wrong spirit, the Lord is not in that. The Lord cannot command blessing on that. But when you have the brethren to dwell together and to pray together in unity, there the Lord commands a blessing. And that is what we want, friends. I know that's what you want. That's what I want. All these things that we're endeavoring to do for the Lord, all of our outreach efforts, all of our speaking to our friends, even this thing at Bob Jones, 100%, this is, it's going to flow out of a united prayer meeting like this. And there's nothing special. I don't want to put ourselves on a pedestal, by the way. I don't want to make ourselves think somehow we are something special. I think the fact that God's people come together to pray at all, so in your own prayer meetings at church with your own friends or families, I don't want this this thing to be put on a pedestal because that was the danger that was happening in New York. Uh, there would be people sending in their requests to the Fulton Street prayer meeting thinking that there was something special about that place. Now, obviously, God did specially bless them, but it was almost becoming um, uh, a, a, almost like an idolatrous thing, and they had to guard against that very strongly. Well, I do here too. Um, it's the fact that God's people come together anywhere, and so that's why it's an encouraging thing when we hear of people praying together all over the place. So young people getting together, churches starting prayer meetings. You saw there in the in the email, uh, another attempt to start a prayer meeting. That should be welcomed, and that should be joyfully um, shouted, saying, hallelujah, thank, thank the Lord for that. Well, we 
we want to see more of these united prayer meetings, not just this, but all over the place, because it is out of this that will flow out the blessing of God, and we want to see that. We want to see that in our day. We haven't arrived there yet. We are seeing little bits of it, but we want to see so much more. So God bless you, and thank you so much.